0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of VR Download. In case you're new here, each week we meet in virtual reality here using the latest technology to discuss the next generation of personal computing. Hi, I'm your bespectacled host today, Kyle Reasonbeck, filling in for Ian Hamilton. And I'm joined by Ian Hamilton over here, filling in for David Heaney.
1: I was Just- thinking it would be funny if we switched again, and I would, I would be, you know... You'd I would be, be, filling be filling in for, for me, Kyle, filling who's in for filling in for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I'm so. filling in for you, who's filling in for David. I like yeah. that. Anyway, so yeah, we're here in the very proprietary Upload Virtual Studios. Every week somebody asks, what is that? David made this. David Heaney made this, and it's wonderful. And we are broadcasting live on YouTube. So you can be in the chat and make comments and ask questions and just speak your mind, join early and really give it to us hard before we start the show so we know what tone to make
1: and Tommy right at the top' warning us he's going to unsubscribe right at the beginning yeah yeah uh, oh goodness
0: not if we get too spicy uh oh I know I know so we'll, we'll have to see if we can either accomplish our mission of bringing you the news and you know meaningful discussion about it or just piss everybody off let's see what happens VR download is also syndicated on most if not all, podcast platforms and if you'd like this type of quality programming to continue we do need your support by liking subscribing and sharing upload content to the rest of the metaverse universe internetiverse so ian uh slow news week Uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah heck of a news week uh and uh the takes are all over the place like we haven't had one of these one of these weeks in a while where you know Every take is hitting the internet and fire is being thrown in every direction for lots of different reasons. And, you know, we're going to we're going to get through it here on this show. So we've got here we are uh, obviously big screen beyond uh, did its announcement. So that uh, headset is now known, uh, even though it was like a, a semi secret there from big screen. And then we've got a lot of meta news to cover. I think we'll cover it all in a central section of the show together. They've got direct touch menus, apparently in the works, the acquisition of Within, the Supernatural service, and then Meta's next steps with Horizon and potentially some layoffs on the Horizon, pun intended, I guess. And then we will talk about, sadly, it's Bradley. I see Guy Godin in our comments. I don't know if Bradley is tuned in today, but that's obviously a big thing in the community everyone is talking about. So we should talk about it and really dive into what's going on there. And then lastly, we'll close out the show talking about PSVR 2. We've got PlayStation VR 2 in hand. And, in hand? Uh, Where's, yeah. I hear
0: my hands. Put, put it's, one it's in right
1: there. right here. I, don't, I, I, don't I always thought them. that would be cool eventually <laughs> to have 3D models that we can talk about, like a little yeah. display case of things. But that's down the line quite a long, long ways away. I see people on Twitter joking about David Heaney and what his secret project is. No, he is not making his own PC VR headset for Upload VR. No, he's not. No, so he's not So we doing can't that.
0: announce upload beyond the headset (laughs) we can't do that oh well upload within do the opposite beyond i don't know all right well yeah we ready to talk about this first thing kyle all right let's do it so um you know obviously you can lead the way and then i'll give my two cents and then everybody in the comments will disagree with me and then you and i'll debate it back and forth until i run myself into a circle and then we'll move on so that's usually the pattern Sounds, sounds fantastic, again.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so Big Screen Beyond, that comes from, obviously, Big Screen. I call them the leading internet service for watching movies together. I think that's a fair way of describing what Big Screen is for people who are sort of just uh, catching up to what they do. And in 2020, and even in this studio, in an earlier version of this studio, we had the CEO of Big Screen in our studio talking about precisely what I'm going to quote right here. So on Twitter, Darshan wrote, it sucks that I've poured six years into building software for the Oculus platform only to lose, quote, greater than 100% for every dollar of revenue. So what he was speaking of at the time was having to pay the movie studios for each movie rental that comes out of big screen, and also cut out some for Facebook to appease their in-app purchases policies. We talked about it at the time. That policy and the way it was structured, the inflexibility in the rate structure there, means that only certain things are allowed to exist on Quest's platform, right? Certain areas more or less get reserved for Meta's own services and and products because you can't make a profitable business in certain areas where 30% has to go to the platform maker it's the same thing that's that's argued about over via Fortnite and the Apple store and Google store for that matter and big screen basically took those words went into Quiet mode, kept improving the big screen service. I know John Carmack is a big proponent of it. He's commented on Twitter a couple times about using big screen in a very big way and quietly worked for the last couple of years on building their own VR headset. Now, it's very funny to read the comments on this because it's a hard thing to grasp, even though I think big screen did did a really excellent job in trying to explain what they're trying to do here. All right, so this is a 127-gram visor. Big Screen is calling it the world's smallest or lightest VR headset. I can't remember if they use the word smallest or lightest, but they're trying to claim it's it's that small. And it, honestly, it is super, super-duper light. They have removed everything they possibly can. There's still SteamVR tracking sensors in there, There's no audio built in. You have to bring your own audio solution. And depending on the strap, the strap adds a little bit of weight. The strap, when you add that on, it's a large percentage of the weight. That's how ridiculously light this thing is. So this thing is still, when you add the strap, it's still less than 200 grams. They've got OLEDs inside here, OLEDs, micro OLEDs in here for 2.6K resolution per eye. They're claiming the pixels per degree as 28. Now, that's compared to 22 pixels per degree over on the Quest Pro. Now, obviously, Quest Pro weighs in at about 700 grams because that is an all-in-one design. You've got a battery, you've got the processor, you've got the tracking, you've got everything standalone in Quest Pro. So that's why it's such a hefty, hefty device this is going for an entirely different extreme on the design market right this is a pc powered device they've removed everything they possibly can to make this as light as humanly possible and they've put the highest resolution displays that they could manage inside this this device to try to make kind of the ultimate way of watching movies in vr and obviously it can still do other things because of the steam vr tracking built in there you could bring your own tracking pucks you could bring your own vive controllers or index controllers that are compatible with steam vr tracking to the system and you've got full it should be room scale vr one of the things it, it's funny to see people wrapping their heads around this situation where you have to get your face scanned when you buy this you you go and get your face scanned. You download the big screen iPhone app. You scan your face. And from that, they figure out facial interface here that's custom shaped. This is custom built for one person, right? You, when you buy this, you're buying it for your specific pupillary distance, the distance between the pupils of your eyes and your specific face shape. But big screen claims that by doing this, they're custom fitting a device specifically for you in the same way you might go and get prescription glasses. It is built specifically for you. Now, I say that to the bespectacled individual. Mm -hmm. They're claiming that there are magnetic lenses you can put on. You can pay for them extra to snap them on there and get your prescription filled that way as well. It's supposed to ship in Q3 of this year. It's $1,000. Big Screen says that the pre-orders are refundable. And the quote that they that they included in their sort of materials for launching this product is to deliver the best software experience for watching movies in big screen. We also had to build the best hardware with big screen beyond. I wanna throw up this set of tweets here. So here's the CEO of big screen and he's quoting John Carmack, obviously the former CTO of Oculus, We've talked about him a lot. If you don't know who John Carmack is, why are you watching this show? Uh, maybe, maybe yeah, I don't know. That's, that's maybe a little cruel. Uh, no you comment. Could, yeah. All right. So Carmack says, this is super interesting for me. For years, I've been saying that we don't make clothes one size fits all. And we probably shouldn't for VR headsets. Per- personalization is a cost, but is the comfort benefit worth it? Exciting to test. And then... Darshan is saying this exactly this we wanted to focus deeply on comfort human faces and eyes are far more diverse than our hands a one size fits all smartphone is fine but not great for VR IPD adjustment might become a relic of the 2016 to 2026 era of VR if people loved personalized VR glasses before I give you a chance to speak here Kyle this is not a mass market device They're not aiming to make a mass market device. And we've just come off a period of VR where Meta has pushed for mass market as hard as they possibly could. They've thrown tens of billions of dollars at Quest 1, Quest 2, buying studios, and subsidizing the cost of each headset up front just to see how far they can take mass market VR For that reason, this feels like a step backwards to a lot of people looking at this. Like, who is this for? Well, I I see this as a very interesting step up if you're an index buyer. This is a very, very interesting upgrade uh, for you to consider if you're an index person. And there are plenty of index people out there, even if it isn't the same scale As the number of people out there for quest it's still a market it's still a small and different market but it's there and it exists and it gives big screen a foothold to test out some of their co-watching technology in a way that they have complete control over a lot of the experience now i noticed in the documentation they didn't talk a lot about operating system for this, this is going to hook up to your PC and I assume run Steam VR because it's Steam VR tracking in there. But there's still a lot of flexibility in here for him to explore a lot of ideas as a software platform and then to bring those to other platforms on which big screen is available. So I am extremely curious to see how this turns out. I've been in contact with Darshan for years. I've known him for a really long time. I follow big screen, obviously, for a very, very long time. And it's interesting to see him arrive at this in our presentation of the technology, though. We have to treat this like we treat any other platform, right? This is hardware coming from a software company. You need to have your expectations in the right place. This is some of the biggest VR enthusiasts on the planet right here building this. But that doesn't necessarily mean they've got the experience to deliver on time to deliver without bugs and you have to take all of that into consideration when you're going and thinking about pre-ordering or buying this but everything i've heard in their plan and their effort to build this they're they're not wanting to screw this up right you get one chance to do this and that's it and they've they've got to get it all right but fascinating, and now I'm curious to hear what you what you have to say. I'm going to go Do look me? at the comments. Oh, I don't have
0: a comment. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, obviously. <laughs> I have lots of comments. First comment I'd like to say, and I just – I love the fact that you put this tweet up on the screen, Ian, because it gives me the opportunity to say a sentence with pure confidence that I don't think a lot of people would feel confident saying on a live show. John Carmack for years has been wrong. Because it says right here, for years, I have been saying that we don't make clothes one size fits all. Yes, we do. There are literally articles of clothing out there. And the tag says, one size fits all. As a matter of fact, that's where the phrase comes from, from the fact that there are clothing out there that says one size fits all. Now, I'm obviously saying this in jest because we get what he's saying. But there are clothing items out there. And me being, you know, I, I'm I'm a little rounder than I'd like to be. Uh, and I'm definitely shorter than I'd like to be. Uh, when I put on things that say one size fits all, I always joke. And if I could go grab my wife right now and ask her what I always say about it, I always say it's one size fits everybody but me. Because there's always something. Either the sleeves are too short, or the sleeves are too long, or the collar's too tight, or it's I can't tuck it in. Something of that nature. I'm talking about shirts, obviously. Uh, the, the fact that they made this headset, it is specifically for a niche group of people. I understand that there there is value to this headset for the number of people who are going to want these specific features. I love how small it is. Uh, I love that it's custom uh, fit. But I have, I'm going to have to go on a little tangent here. I personally have not uh, gotten custom lenses for any more of my headsets. I had a set for my Quest 2. I uh, bought them online, prescription lenses for my my headset, and wore them. And it was wonderful. Problem is, as soon as you take it off, where are my glasses. Like, I'm completely blind without my glasses. So, wear my glasses? Okay, wait a minute. And I saw uh, Sam Watts – hi, Sam – on Twitter recently talked about getting the little chain, like the old person chain to hold my glasses while you're putting the headset on. And I don't want to do that. Uh, So, I've decided that I'm only going to wear headsets that accommodate my spectacles. I don't have any other way to do this. So, I am – uh, looking at this headset and going, darn, it's not for me. Now you're like, oh, okay. Well, wait a minute. There's you know, prescription lenses for it. That's fine, and that's all well and good. But there's also no pass-through. Now I have to ask you a question, Ian. Does this headset have some sort of accessory spot, like a? There is a, a port, link? I believe. Yes. There's a
1: USB-C port. There's, like I mm-hmm. said, there was no audio included, so you either need to do audio directly to the PC. Or somehow get a an audio solution that works over that USB C. I think it's USB C port hmm. to get an audio solution that works that See, way. It,
0: if this thing had pass-through, it might be a contender. But as it stands right now, uh, I realize I have a hot commodity. I've got a set of lighthouse boxes version 2.0 up here on my shelf. Like I'm I'm literally touching them right here. Uh that I, I will not put up because I don't use a headset that uses Lighthouse. Uh, I think I killed off Lighthouse many, many moons ago. I said that Lighthouse is dead. Um, it's not dead. It's just chugging along for you know a couple thousand people who are going to buy this headset. Um, if they were to do some sort of pass through mechanism, it might be a little bit more viable for me. I like the idea of pass through. But here's my here's my biggest question for you, Ian. Uh, if Meta had come out with this headset right now that required a pc didn't have pass-through and cost a thousand dollars you and i both know well i guess i'm asking you what would be the reaction from the community at large if meta if this instead of saying big big screen on this it said meta if meta came out and offered this for a thousand dollars right now what would be the reaction
1: it's interesting to think about that uh with regards to like the Rift 2 that never happened, right? This 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 next generation PC powered system that got axed over at the meta uh you know, Facebook then uh, was the name of the company. Um but it got killed. Um you know, it, Meta has a story that they're telling, right? And that's mass market consumer VR. And uh, I do want to call out the comments uh, saying this is the most dad take ever, Kyle, and you're, you're ripping apart semantics. My people there in the comments, thank you for grilling him. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle's giving you a thumbs up. Uh, um, yeah, no, Meta's got a story here that they're trying to tell, and that's, that's affordable VR for everyone, right? That's that's what they want to do, and movie watching in VR uh, together with people who are far away. Um, you know, you you ripped it apart. You did the semantics thing on a previous show here, uh, where it's it is a killer, amazing thing. It is it is you know being able to go to the movies with someone you aren't physically with is is like it's so hard to imagine it matching the physical experience of going to the movies and, you know, having your bowl of popcorn right here with you and, uh, handing it back and forth and laughing with the crowd. Like it's hard to imagine that whole experience being replicated in a VR headset, but it's been kind of like the North star that big screen has been guided by for half a decade now or more, um, for that matter. And it's, It's it's been amazing concept for me to think about. Like I want that, and I've been. You asked about Meta, right? Meta has to work. Facebook had a system where you could rent movies or buy movies, I think, and you're granted tickets or or whatever you want to call it to have five of your friends come into the movie with you. That that was on the Gear VR, Oculus Go type period of facebook's evolution like a completely dead end uh for them in getting to the quest um it's not easy right it's how do you make this thing function where you have like do you have two people buy tickets do you have one person buy a ticket and it grants access for a few others Uh, digital rights management to make the studios happy um, How do you work on devices that aren't VR? Does it work at all on devices that aren't VR? It's it's a complicated, uh, scary thing. But it is the ultimate promise of VR across every type of activity you can think of. It's why I harp on mini golf being this amazing thing that's replicated in VR so good. And you're able to do things with it that you can't do in a physical uh, venue when you actually spend Sixty bucks for you and three friends to go out and play eighteen holes, Uh, movie watching, karaoke, um, uh, concerts. You can go down the list of all live action events, sports, uh, and they are. You know there have been companies trying to to lop off each one of these things, and they've been failing in various ways. Um, I'm. That's why I'm so excited to see what. Big screen does at this without all of the overhead that we're seeing out of out of Meta, right? This this is what Carmack made you made clear in his statement that doing things like spinning out uh, Echo VR into a separate project or or selling it off or open sourcing it all have costs because Meta is this giant tens of thousands of people company that it just the wheels turn slowly and that's not what big screen is right they're the opposite yes they need investor funding probably to get them to their next steps but they're small and nimble and can do things that a big giant like meta can't so uh, that's my long-winded way of trying to answer your question um going back to the original thing it's it's I just can't imagine it coming out of Meta, right? They've got a different story that they're trying to tell, and it's sure. it's very very well, different from and, this.
0: And, and let me make things perfectly clear: uh, I'm not I'm not crapping on this. This is, this is a solid offering, okay? I'm not saying anything negative about this. Uh, I, I'm I'm saying that it's not uh, massive mainstream appeal. It, it's a it's an offshoot. It is an, is a one off. Um, this does not answer a question that I need answered. The, the, this product is not providing a solution to a problem that I personally have. I don't need this headset for any particular reason. I personally do not. Um, y- you know, would I be willing to buy this well, headset?
1: Well, okay, so so my only – all right, so let's – I appreciate that. I, I get where you're going with that. Um. How many movies have you watched from start to finish in VR?
0: Uh, a dozen.
1: What's the longest movie?
0: Oh, oh I watched uh, just to see if it would if the battery would last. I watched the uh, uh, Infinity Saga. Uh, you know both, both movies, both of the yeah. two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so, yeah. how was that and,
1: experience? Yeah. Did you have a headache after?
0: Um, I, I well, luckily the battery died after like three fourths of the first movie. Uh, and I, and I did take a break and it was pretty rough. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I had to take a break and finished the other one after a couple hours and, um, you know, a couple chili dogs, uh, which was also not a good idea. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not, I'm not using this for passive. Uh, I'm not using VR for passive consumption. Of mm. media
1: and I'm and not. to go back to what your thing you know with Carmack was that was one of the things Carmack claimed would be really big uh, in VR was passive consumption and there's there's a fair amount of evidence to to the contrary that uh, active stuff is the stuff that is taking off to an incredible degree I'm going to argue that uh, the passive stuff is competing against all the existing forms of the ways to enjoy passive stuff. The active stuff is the stuff that's unique to VR, right? And the one thing that's like a combination of both of these is the co-watching with people who are far away, right? That's the thing that's like you can only do in VR, but it's got a lot of things to overcome to make it good enough, right? Um, And that's why I framed that question to you. So there's a movie out there, Dune. Uh, I loved Dune. A lot of people didn't like Dune. I adored it. Uh, the director of Dune is now my favorite director. There's something about the way he films his shots that is just, it's relaxing to me. Like I just love the way these, these grand things happen in scene Um, and the way that moves across the screen. It's, it's, I saw Blade Runner 2049 in an IMAX screen right after one of the Oculus connect events. And I remember like feeling or describing as like, it felt like candy for my eyes, like how colorful and beautiful this whole whole thing felt. The absolute pinnacle, best possible screen uh, built for the format. It just, it was amazing. I loved it. I want to see Dune or Blade Runner 2049 from start to finish in this headset. And if I can manage that, and if I come out of it with anywhere close, to what that experience was, uh, in a physical theater, I'm going to say this is a win. That's that's as simple as it is. That's like, mm-hmm. uh, and to your point, like Kyle, I haven't finished an entire movie in VR. I've tried, I've tried mm-hmm. multiple times. It is too yeah. uncomfortable. It's too. I get itchy after 20 minutes of wanting to get out. I think I've I've seen even um geek Odin in our comments virtual desktop. Like that's one of the main uses for his software, and he made similar comments about how. You know, it gets to you after a little while. Um, so
0: I see. Some I haven't people done asking, this yet with
1: big screen, but I want to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I see some people asking questions about watching it in three D, and and uh, I do have to say, like very specifically, all of the movies that I have watched in VR uh, have been uh, SBS side by side three D movies, and um, I, I keep coming back to the fact that the compression on those movies. Because of the fact that it, you know, it scan lines, each, each, it's kind of hard to explain. The left eye and the right eye are not compressed exactly the same. So, as a result, there's these weird artifacts that occur in 3D movies when you watch them in VR um, that I don't think you'd notice if you're watching it like with polarized, you know, glasses. Um, I, I, you know, Ready Player One is one of those great movies that when you watch it in 3D uh, on, a, on a headset, I just recently did that one. Um, I don't know, like probably a week after I got the, the quest pro and, uh, threw that on there, watched it side by side, um, used virtual desktop, uh, uh, to, to consume that. And, you know, ha- had a really, had a really good time with that as well. Um, as long as the battery lasts, I can handle it. I can handle a movie, uh, you know, but no,
1: handling, like handling but, is the opposite of enjoying, right? Yeah. Like, I endured it <laughs>
0: versus well,
1: okay. versus I enjoyed it, it
0: right? The, the, I'm I'm enduring it because I have a headset on, you know, and not, not it's because of the the wearing. I'll tell you and, what, and these put are a bike helmet on, and go to the movie theater and tell me how much you enjoy that. Yeah, and, and these <laughs> you know? are
1: glasses, right? And uh, so we'll see, right? We'll see okay. how. And yeah. I and I'm appreciating the the breadth of comments. I think I've seen everyone talk about. Watching hundreds of things in VR with friends, it being like a major use case for them. To people not watching anything, it's it's fascinating to see the the, the range of of behavior here. And I would be curious. Uh, I'll read out a comment if Gee is still out there uh, on this subject because I'm, I'm curious how he sees the value of movie watching amongst his his uh, his audience.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna say that if, if 3D viewing uh, 3d movies in VR is important, then we need to work on how the compression works and how the left and the right eye have the same artifacts. And I think that that's a bigger thing to fix than getting a higher resolution on a screen, because at some point this will become obsolete just through the natural evolution of technology. This, this, this is a placeholder, uh, until mobile, because honestly, this thing, has the ability to give you a better resolution. Uh, It doesn't have, uh, then then like the Quest, like a Quest 2, you know, for under $500 I can do everything this thing does with less resolution and this one's probably more comfortable because it's custom to your head. If you're not one of the more than half of the people on the planet that wear glasses or don't care, I mean, how much are these little, uh, you know, uh, plug-in, Uh, optical uh, solutions for that. But uh, all I'm saying is that, yes, there are going to be people who are going to buy this. They're going to enjoy it. Just not me. And in a year or two, neither will anybody else. This is, this is a stopgap. I don't know how long it took for them to build this and design this, but this is a stop. I guess technically every iteration of every piece of technology that's, could be considered yeah, that's a stop. Yeah, that's literally cam, what someone so, in the comments was saying. Yeah, no, uh, James okay. was,
1: was calling you out for uh, that. Ja- um, you know
0: what, James? This is like the third or fourth time he has said something profoundly true. Keep commenting. I appreciate your comments.
1: Wait, we do have a, a couple uh, very, very uh, well, well-spoken well Jameses in our audience. Um, yeah, it's I it, – it, I, I, the way you're framing it is is like I get it, but I still think like stopgap is a weird term. Like, like it's it's a bridge is another way of of saying uh, the same thing. Um, this is a bridge for them to get to bigger ambitions. And I appreciated the comments responding to me um, on what I said that yes, if this gets anywhere close to what it feels like to watch. Uh, a a big giant screen theater going experience it's a total win and i think they've got enough like they're a small enough operation with small enough uh you know they've got something to build on i guess is where i'm going with that they've got something they could get to a second generation or beyond i think i think we've exhausted this unless there's any comments you want to get into
0: and i'll be honest i mean you know if 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 you just wanted Ian to talk about everything and then for me to say, I agree, uh, it doesn't make for a very good conversation. Um, And I'm not saying I'm being contrary just for the sake of being contrary. I'm just looking at it from a different perspective, you know? I mean, I think everybody consumes different content with different expectations and uh, this, this, this piece of hardware doesn't scratch an itch for me. (laughs) <laughs> and i think it's fair for me to i think there are people who agree with me and people who think i'm insane and that's great because that's it's the beauty of the internet everybody has a comment an opinion so lance right.
1: saying this device is a no-brainer upgrade for anyone with bathe stations in my opinion i
0: yeah it also
1: makes me think uh about the timeline for a valve standalone um and mm-hmm. and what resolution the apple device is going to hit uh when we actually you know, see where they land. Um, You know, this is coming out probably before a couple other announcements this week or this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm, this might, this stacks up incredibly well uh, specs wise uh, to what's on the market now, but that might not be the case by the end of the year.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I guess, uh, you know, I, I wish big screen all the best of luck. And to those of you who are, Super giddy and excited about this headset or think it's the natural evolution upgrade to your index. Uh cool. Um, you know, for for reference, I never bought an index either. So just saying.
1: <sighs> I know. They're gonna our 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 viewers are gonna, gonna get to they're know. They're gonna that tear off. me
0: up, aren't they? Yep, yeah, yep you're gonna tear me
1: up all right so let's talk about that meta news so three different things um let's see if this is the right image i don't know i don't know if that's the right image that's that's an image in our in our system um so in apparently in the uh testing channel for v50 the next version of the oculus system it popped up on reddit that uh, Meta is looking at uh, directly being able to touch the interface and interact with everything by touching it. And honestly, it's going to feel, once that's here, it's going to be, you know, back in my day, I used to have to point a laser pointer at my screens in VR. Like, it's kind of ridiculous that we ever had to do it another way. Um, So that, you know, the way Meta rolls those out, for anyone who's not familiar, it tends to take weeks and months uh, the testing channel is even more beta, uh, experimental. Um, so it might be some time before this actually makes it into uh, consumer-facing uh, version of the of the release. So uh, sometimes things have gotten bumped, even like out releases a couple a couple later. So like it's possible this doesn't actually appear in V fifty. This could be V52 or something like that if there's problems with it. But it is on the way. And uh, yeah, it's looking like it's going to be a major upgrade to the overall experience. And then Meta also successfully acquired Within. So that is 15 months from the announcement of acquiring Supernatural, the fitness service, to actually being allowed to acquire that team. And now they've got one of the leading uh, fitness services in VR. I will be very curious to see uh, if Leanne Pedante, the head of fitness over there, who leads those workouts, what they're what they're able to do uh, under the Meta platform. You know those those people became little mini. You know those coaches in Supernatural became celebrities amongst their own niche of. Uh, tens of thousands of users at least based on the size of their YouTube tens community. of thousands
0: or, shut the servers down yeah, oh wait now it's based was last on the week. size sorry. of their Facebook sorry, sorry. group yeah
1: yes. that's brutal um yeah that was it's funny to think yeah uh yeah. what what makes that a growing ecosystem uh and and makes them have to shut down the other one from a couple of years ago um and then lastly on the meta news front they've got There was a report out there uh, from a memo uh, that got leaked, uh, I I believe, that basically outlined Meta's targets for Horizon Worlds. So Horizon Worlds has obviously been in the works for years now, and they're going to target trying to make a must-have experience somewhere in Horizon Worlds, as well as going to try to increase their retention and. yeah, they're, they're going to try to get people to use something in Horizon that is just uh, a standout experience and really brings people back and keeps them in Horizon Worlds. Uh, the last reporting I saw this morning right before we came in here, though, is that Meta might be working towards another round of layoffs. And they've just gone through a restructuring process from the last round of 11,000 layoffs. And it doesn't really compute for me. Um all these these varying priorities. So one of the other priorities that Horizon Worlds is supposedly going to try to accomplish in the next 6 months is launching on multiple platforms. So a phone version or a PC-based uh, web version of the Horizon interface and obviously you've got completely different interaction schemes on those systems. It doesn't really I can't really follow how you create a must-have experience on in vr and it also works great on on phones i threw out this idea in the past like is horizon worlds going to have spectator only worlds where you could have theoretically something like echo vr running inside of horizon worlds and then have people on phones able to spectate and maybe move the camera around to look at the gameplay in different ways uh that's an interesting idea but the idea of having People on phones or computers playing Echo VR sounds like madness. Sounds like an awful experience. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's it's a hard thing. No. It would be a hard thing to achieve. So, so uh, no. it's hard for me to think of them like making that must have experience at the same time that they're trying to launch on multiple platforms and they've got tens of thousands of employees all worried that they're going to just have their their life upended at any moment and have to go find another job.
0: So I'm not going to say a single thing. I don't have any comments about the supernatural, uh, acquisition, you know, makes perfectly good sense. I've got no real comment about that. And then layoffs, that sucks. I always feel for people I've had to go through it myself. So I always feel bad. No, the thing I want to talk about is horizon. Um, you know, uh, meta, uh, wants to target Younger kids, and uh, not kids, but you know, younger teens. You know, as as a father of four, uh, two of which are in their teens currently, uh, thirteen and seventeen. I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, Meta. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, Horizon is never going to be Roblox. It won't be Roblox. You've missed that train if you know my kids can play roblox on a a, a crappy pc a high-end pc or their phones and they do quite frequently and i see them make little snippet videos for insta snap but chat at grandma talk and you know and they have a lot of good times and fun and they want to spend money and you know they go to the store and they see robux uh, on, on the shelf next to you know Olive Garden and Spaghetti Old Spaghetti Factory, they want to buy those so that they can spend that. They want to spend fake money. They want to spend real money to buy fake money to spend it on fake stuff for fake things. On yes, and so there is a thriving industry for that. And Horizon is never going to be Roblox. If it ever becomes Roblox, I will eat. A vibe. No, I don't know. <laughs> I.
1: I, I, I uh, so the one thing, the only context I'll add to what Kyle just said is that the we have reported previously on the show that Roblox is uh, supposedly uh, being targeted as as a as an app to bring to Quest. Uh, so there could be a very big deal uh, there to, to bring Roblox to the Quest platform. Uh, I obviously have to wait to see it. Minecraft was obviously on previous Facebook headsets and it still technically works. And there's still like an OpenXR uh, stream, like a, a pathway to supporting Minecraft and VR via OpenXR. Mm-hmm. But it needs, it's honestly, I think a part of it, it goes back to the 30% situation that we started talking about with Big Screen Beyond, where, um, only if you're the size of a company like that, can I imagine Andrew Bosworth, uh, the CTO of Meta, being open to a discussion about whether they let you bypass those 30% fees. If you're not in that, in that group of like uh, exchanging things, uh, you know bringing something to the table of that magnitude that Meta isn't going to try to do themselves or can't do themselves as as well as somebody else to your point um then maybe you can you know bypass the 30%. It's one of those questions I would love to corner Bosworth about if if we could ever get him in the studio or interview him face to face. Um for at length is uh do you know do some people get get the you know get to bypass the 30% and some people don't and how do you make those decisions?
0: You know, I'm going to go in uh you know, my, I, so I go and I watch my kids and they're playing Roblox and, you know, they've got a little mini like a like a McDonald's and they're running it together and other people are coming and, uh, you know, uh, patronizing their little store. And I'm I'm watching this whole thing happen and it's they're Lego people. I mean, the graphic fidelity of Roblox is terrible i'm I'm like where are the shadows where are the where's the the dynamic lighting where's the, the and you know what the kids are like we don't care about that we love the fact that we can pretend to do this with our friends and i can buy a new wig and i can do this and that i i was so curious in the beginning that i went in and i started a i have a roblox account and i go in and i'm fiddling around with it and everything and i'm walking around and you know all the same nonsense that occurs in Horizon that everybody else complains about occurs. You know, there's a bunch of kids and they're all yammering and you know squeakers as they're called. Uh, but in Roblox, they're all squeakers, so it, nobody really complains about it. And there's this thriving industry. And so what I think is happening here. Is that you're trying to make a kids' game for adults and expecting them to want to do it the same way that kids do? That's what Horizon is trying to be, uh, Roblox Elite, like for, like you know, for adults, and it doesn't work that way because adults want Call of Duty. Adults want, uh, you know, uh, something more Te- robust. Teens don't want Call of Duty. Uh, well, they do. Teens want Call of Duty, but it's a certain type. It's a certain audience that you're catering toward. And the ones that they need to come in and build Horizon up to make it what Roblox is now don't want to have anything to do with Roblox. Or don't want to have anything to do with Horizon. They only want to do Roblox because it's already an established ecosystem that they feel comfortable with. Uh, The kids that play Call of Duty aren't necessarily the same ones that are playing. You know, there's obviously different genres of games and different groups of people that like to play it, but the group that they're targeting to come in and build horizon up, I, I, you know, if you took the top hundred people who spend the most time in Roblox and put them in a room and said, you have to use horizon for a week straight, like do a market group research thing and you have to go in and you have to build and you have to do this and then take all of their feedback and go in and adjust horizon based on those people's feedback. That's probably the most valuable thing that they could do right now to get horizon a 10th of the way closer to what they want it to be. That's I mean, just, uh, uh, yeah,
1: well, I, it, it is one of those strategies and I think we're seeing some of it uh, echoed in our comments where, it would be it would be a nightmare scenario, I, I think, for a lot of people out there to think about some of these standout experiences, uh, like uh, Among Us VR, built from the ground up by Shell Games for VR, uh, having that sucked into Horizon, and, and it's a free game. It becomes a free game, um, but you gotta you gotta log into your Meta account and, and get into Horizon to do it. And there's a lot of things that we can imagine sort of being set as as endpoints inside Horizon. Um, that just it it sounds like I I alluded to it before, that it's like a a landlord situation. Um is now your landlord, uh, the moment you go onto Horizon. And that's why we think about the possibility that like Echo VR could be one of the first uh to, to go that way. Um but I don't know, uh it, it's a complicated thing. Like They they have to meta in its statement and talking about this like they need to own and get to that teenager age group in order for it to uh, sift out to all the other age groups. Right. Uh, The idea that parents are going to go join where their kids are and to spend time with them. Right. If your kids are uh, spending time in Roblox, you go play games in Roblox with them um, to 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 spend time with them. Um, I
0: wonder just really quickly, I wonder, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just asking the question. I'm wondering if they lowered the acceptable age for VR from 13 to like, let's say even 11, let's just say 11. How much would that change the adoption rate? I mean, I see people all the time posting photos and I'm not going to call anybody out here, but uh, Their kids, they're 10, 11, 12 years old, and they're using VR more than anybody I know. What if that was acceptable? What if the target audience was lowered to 11? Uh, even to 12? I wonder how much that would change things because they're already in there doing it. It's just that Meta hasn't embraced it. Meta well, hasn't no, taken it e- Embracing advantage. it
1: is a mistake. Like that's the, the problem. So well, I know there's, seeing... there's,
0: there's, there's, uh, d- 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 There's rules and there's laws and there's things about that. Well, all right.
1: So I'm I'm seeing in our comments people going off a little bit on what I said. Um, Let me be clear here um, on a couple of things. Uh, If you turn chat off and, you know, that is a feature in uh, some of these platforms, right? Rec Room has junior accounts and you can turn Mm -hmm. off all the communication settings inside of uh, Roblox they can still encounter worlds that are kind of creepy and uh, have really bad content in them. Um, There is value. And a lot of like when your kid comes to you and says, I want a Roblox account. And you know, my, my three friends have Roblox accounts. Uh, And I don't know if the people commenting that, you know, parents, you know, kids don't want their parents spending time with them. Yeah. At a certain age, I get that. But also at a certain age, that's the only way to properly uh or or safely um let your kid go online um you know sort of you know if they're going to a playground you stand there at the playground generally with them right you don't you don't let them go off uh on their own at certain ages um and i think the same is kind of true for vr platforms and vr experiences meta took a approach where they they had teen controls uh ways of parents uh managing what their kids can access on their headsets um makes a lot of sense uh at the end of the day, but they had to spend a lot of time architecting exactly how that should should function um yeah, uh I think we've yeah, I'm ready to move on to the next oh, yeah, yeah I think yeah. we've no, got a I lot know. of viewers I'm... out there waiting for us to talk about sadly. It's Bradley. Bradley, if you're on the comments, let us know. He is not. He's not. Yeah, he hasn't commented yet.
0: Well, he and he's not going to. He's. uh, I'm sorry that my hands keep jumping out. For some reason, my tracking is bad today. I must not have enough light in the room. Uh, Yeah, no. uh, In the comments, it says that uh, sadly, it's Bradley is not in there, Uh, and he is uh, just going to wait and see what happens. Um, I think a little bit of anxiety, and you know, I, I. I can, I can appreciate that. Um, you know, it's, it's a difficult conversation, uh, topic to discuss and, um, you know, for all of your benefit while Ian is setting up his, um, his items here, uh, his resources to go through this thoroughly. Um, I have decided that I am going to take a step back from this, um, topic and I will not be personally expressing any, (laughs) comments or feelings specifically about, uh, this situation. And then, uh, I will share my own personal experience after Ian is done, um, uh, with his monologue
1: monologue. Yeah. I'm going to monologue this. All right. Well, let's, let's catch everyone up here who isn't familiar with what's, what's happened or what's going on. Um, last year, Quest 3 was leaked, uh, or at least a possible design for Quest 3, as we reported when uh, Bradley put it out there. Um, you know, there could be multiple designs in in consideration for the design of the next headset. Um, let me, I'm just going to read out what The Verge reported. So The Verge, Alex Heath, a very uh, well-known reporter out there, um, working for The Verge, uh, Put it this you know he's doing a newsletter for the Verge and put this little snip, snippet in uh, the newsletter and then it became an article on the Verge site a few days later. And uh, it says a month long leak investigation by Meta has uncovered the source behind detailed renders of unannounced VR headsets, including the highly anticipated Quest 3 that were published last year by a YouTuber named Brad Lynch. CTO Andrew Bosworth shared the news this week with employees in an internal post that I saw. He said Meta has cut ties with the leaker, who I'm told was a third-party contractor and asked for a share of revenue from the ads running against Lynch's YouTube videos. Lynch didn't deny this when I asked him for comment. Quote, they might have asked because I wasn't willing to give much money up front for the leaked material he said i'm just one guy who loves vr and just enjoys talking with industry friends and reporting what i hear and i'm definitely not getting rich from it reporting what i hear um a spokesperson for meta declined to comment and uh alex heath ends this little report saying for what it's worth paying a source for leaked information is a fireable offense in any self-respecting newsroom and something i would never do so that's we're going to start there with the verge report there and let's see what we can move on to next here so here is andrew bosworth the cto of meta on twitter saying um uh did i screenshot the wrong one i think i screenshotted the wrong one um darn it uh there's one where he calls uh this unethical So Bos, you know, Andrew Bosworth is on the record on Twitter, uh, calling, calling this, this exchange, this way of getting information out there unethical. Uh, then you've got Kent by, um, commenting, uh, shortly after, um, Bradley put out a statement. So I asked, uh, Bradley on Twitter, um, a couple questions and he responded with a with a very long statement on Twitter. So he's paid for uh, Twitter Blue from Elon Musk and he's able to uh, pay you know post this this essay uh, statement on on Twitter. Uh, Kent Bye, YouTuber, sadly it's Bradley, issued a statement about paying sources for leaked data on Meta's VR HMDs. Definitely blurring some ethical lines on multiple fronts. He's got a couple links to uh, Society of uh, Professional Journalists uh, talking about uh, what checkbook journalism does and how it erodes uh, erodes trust and, and causes some problems. Um, now let's get this Brad Lynch statement up there. And yeah, so here's the very uh, lengthy statement. Uh, Due to the current attention around meta, uncloaking... Uncloaking. I thought that was an interesting word choice. Uncloaking a leaker I have had contact with. I have composed this letter of clarification. The source in question came to me with a prepared information package. I did not personally seek out this person or attempt to bribe or entice them into leaking trade secrets. It is a personal goal of mine to never put someone in a position where they feel forced to hand over private information, something which was also applied to this situation. I don't understand that last bit. After some communication back and forth, this specific source did end up asking for a small share of revenue associated with the publication of the information they provided. I agreed to this because the amount was small and as I honestly barely make enough money to support myself as it is, If I had been bigger, I would have refused. At this point in time, due to the minute amounts it was about, it didn't strike me that this would mean when it comes to journalistic ethics. At this point in time, due to the minute amounts it was about, it didn't strike me what this would mean when it comes to journalistic ethics. That's a pretty, uh, that's a statement that owns uh, everything else I just quoted, right? Um, as it were i was never trained on ethics and journalism so the idea that giving an information provider a cut of the revenue generated by said information felt like a reasonable thing to do especially as in this case the information was planned to be published with or without my involvement as i run the show my by myself i don't have corporate ethics guidelines to reference but i have to learn everything by myself in this case i should have put in more effort again that's another very owning statement uh given you know him reflecting on the situation um A financial relationship to my source was never disclosed to my audience. To me, it was a small side note that was not important to the story. And as it was not a sponsorship, I didn't feel it was necessary. Interesting. Regarding my relationship to the source, to this day, they are still entirely anonymous to me, which is by design. I don't want to expose anyone who gives me information to any unwanted risks. This is why I am generally disclosing very little to no information at all regarding any of my sources. Now, that one that one is probably the, that that bit is what I'm probably going to comment on the most once we get past this, um, which is why I believe sources feel comfortable approaching me. When it comes to my network of sources, nobody except the person in this specific case has ever seen any financial compensation from me for their information. In hindsight, I understand why the revenue share was unethical, and I feel bad about not recognizing that at the time. I don't see myself as a large YouTuber by any means, even though, you know, you do put the number of subscribers you have in your, in your, uh, description on Twitter. Um, uh, but with time, a lot of people in the small industry have started to treat my output the same way as that of a journalistic website. You call yourself an analyst. I would, uh, that comes with the territory with this, there are new expectations, and I should have taken steps to meet those expectations. I do regret the unethical part discussed above, but I generally don't regret any of the work I have done when it comes to gathering information from my sources. for some, leak culture is unethical leak culture wow i've never heard I've never heard leak culture being a thing is unethical it's an entirety, but for me, that is not the case. I will continue my attempts to figure out what the industry is doing so Whew, that's a lot to take in, uh, a lot to process. I have no idea what's going in our comments. Um,
0: you can ignore so, the comments for right now. I mean, yeah. it's what you'd expect. I don't want to <laughs> derail you from your ability to proceed with the conversation here.
1: Yeah, I wanted to recap all of that, and I, I am curious if Brad is out there. Yeah. Um, The area between rumors and leaks is murky and ugly. And I don't like, I don't, it's, it's why I focused on that, that one sentence. Um, It's something we work very hard to verify and confirm information um, before we put it out there. And there is this um, gray area in rumor, uh, rumor uh, data you know, data sleuthing, um, where you can go through a whole bunch of, you know, code and find a little piece here that tells you something interesting. And you start doing the Charlie board where you're connecting all the dots in different ways and coming up with all these, you know, coming up with this theory of everything. It's entertaining. It's fun to think about all of those potential things. And we do it on the show ourselves. We are thinking through possible scenarios. But when it comes to sourcing information and verifying, uh, its accuracy. Um, there's, there's a lot of nuance in there that doesn't get out to the audience. Um, that, that doesn't, you know, they're, they're doing, they're doing a, a, like a behavior where you're, you're, you're sitting at the, um, The water cooler, it's like water cooler talk, uh, back in the day of the office, uh, where you go over there and you chat up some other person and you're just talking about whatever and, and talking about the game or TV or some politics for, for just a minute, uh, just randomly having fun talking about this thing. It's different. That's a different conversation. It's a different behavior than reporting and verifying information. Um, for a very very large audience, and uh, Brad, I, I reached out to you a little while ago. I wanted to have a conversation to get into some of this before this this happened with uh, Bosworth and uh, this leaker. Um, I, I I'm going to point out a couple specific examples from our own reporting um, that when people out there, you know. The the reporter does their job or something gets out there and everyone has a different reaction to how that info got out there. So uh, sometime last year, a hotel worker was walking down, you know, doing their rounds to clean up the hallways at their hotel. And there was a bag in the hallway and part of their job was to clean up, uh, make sure the space is safe, opens up the bag and it is a Quest Pro inside the bag. He takes it back to the office, starts writing about it, posts photos on, Twitter, on Facebook about it, um, and then posts a video of him you know, opening the box and looking inside. Uh, we went through a process internally as a team of journalists trying to verify at every step what was going on there. Right. Thinking through all the possibilities, seeing the commentary from people out there in the wild talking about, is this really the quest pro? Is it a real video? Um, Is it, uh, what is the motivation of this person who's putting it out there? Um, We just reached out to the person. We went to to their DMS on Facebook and it was entirely responsive. um, Explaining the whole situation. Between him putting those photos of the Quest Pro out there on the Internet and the video of him putting the Quest Pro out there on the Internet, and uh, I think it was like Monday morning when I, I got back to my desk, theories had hit the Internet in every possible way. This was meta leaking it. This was in service of meta. There was This was a narrative that plenty of people don't – you don't have the time to process What's actually going on? So you make, you start filling in the gaps with your own information, right? And it became absolutely um, unthinkable that a tens of billions of dollars company would accidentally allow a headset just to make it out there into the wild. Now, uh, there's another company out there, HTC5, right? They frequently leak stuff. And, uh, that may be on purpose. Uh, that may be a very different situation. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, Shen over there at, um, at HTC, uh, some, you know, someone is putting, uh, you know, they're putting out tweets, they're putting out, uh, little teases all the time, uh, on their Twitter feed, uh, I would not be surprised if someone over there high up inside HCC is giving leaks out because that's a company that doesn't have a marketing budget anymore, right? They've they've whittled down a lot of what they do and they focused entirely on the business. They can actually build more, more um buzz by leaking things out bit by bit by bit. Now, what's the motivation behind those leaks, right? Why Why give that to one person and not to all journalists Uh, and give them all an embargo date? Uh, What's the, you know, is someone just friendlier to them and they like them more? That's a perfectly valid reason for a source to give uh, one person uh, information. Um, But then you've got something like what happened here with the Quest 3 document leaking, right? It was someone looking to make a little bit of money on the side of their regular job and putting information out there and meta cut ties with that person. These are three entirely different scenarios, three entirely different companies, um, or you know, three entirely different scenarios on how this information would get out there. Two from the same company and one... A third one, and I can go down the list of additional ones. We were the first to report the Sony PSVR 2 specs. We had that information out there, first in the world. Um, I went through a process of verifying the information that we received, of, of confirming from multiple sources what we got. No money exchanged hands. There was never a discussion of that. These things come out in different ways and if you aren't using clear language in in talking about your sources and how verified it is it leaves a lot up to the minds of your viewers to fill in gaps and uh and i hate the the problem i have with this in vr is we're talking about technologies that get branded in in the most Uh, how do i in in a way to make it part of your life right they want to make these technologies a fundamental piece of everything you do day in and day out and so like meta the they renamed their company the whole company meta in order to like get it to become a household word like uh, this is the everything app. This is the app that controls that. That's the umbrella term for everything I do. Apple's going to do the same thing with their branding of their technologies and their headsets. Um, it's you've got the situation where it makes sense to leak things early in certain scenarios in order to build that up. You know, uh, Meta for a good year before actually announcing. Their name changed to Meta. Uh, kept using this term, metaverse, 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 uh, all the time. And now they're, you know, trying to make fetch happen, right? Like that's that's literally what it's like uh, in the way this 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 stuff rolls out. Um, I'm 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 going off on tangents a little bit here, but I what I want to get across is that. Leaks come in various forms, and the motivations of your sources need to be brought into account when you're actually doing the, the reporting process. Um, and there's, there's a gray area in between what, what Brad is doing and what we're doing, right? There's, there's, we're doing similar things, but we're doing very different things at the same time. And we're approaching it from different perspectives, and uh yeah, we've reported a lot on what uh Lynch has has put out there into the world, but we're also applying the same standards of like you know how do we know this is actually the case and all I can say uh my my I guess my closing comment to Brad would be, um be careful in your language uh of how you refer to rumors and Leaks and verified information Um, at the end of your statement, you talked about not wanting to refer to them at all uh, and being intentionally vague about it. I don't I don't think that serves uh, the audience as well as maybe you thought it does. Like there's a reason why journalism organizations say things like people familiar with the matter when they do their reporting. People familiar with the matter implies you've got multiple sources confirming a piece of information. If you only have one source and it's like a person picking off a bit of code on the 156 line of some piece of code, that's not the same as people familiar with the matter. And you're building a lot of buzz up and a lot of attention for the, the content that you're putting out there, but it's leaving a lot of people in you know a lot of the commentary out there talking about this the ethics of this I just I would love to see sharper language used uh, in a lot of the reporting that you put out there Brad Um, so that's the end of my monologue I don't know if I misspoke if I did I apologize and I'll try to correct it later
0: well Uh, I I, I'm gonna yeah so okay um you're making me really want to say more than I wanted to Ian here. Um, First of all, everybody who's in the comments that are hovering over the unsubscribe button because of something that Ian said, Ian is simply pointing out that journalists are held to a certain decorum. And he wishes, I think, that Brad also held himself to that same decorum, that that would have been a more ideal way. Of seeing Brad as a peer, as a fellow journalist. The problem is he's not. Oh, my hand's doing that. That wasn't me. Uh he's not. He is not a fellow journalist. And um uh, you know, while I'm sitting here and I'm listening to to Ian uh talk about everything that he said, uh which is all very true. I mean, he he's coming from Ian is a very well respected journalist with a journalist background. He went to school for journalism. He is essentially a journalist more than he is anything else. And so Ian understands all of those things. And I have a lot of respect for Ian. Uh, There's a few pieces that I want to bring up here. And number one is that when I first came uh, into the VR scene many, many moons ago, uh, I was not a journalist. As a matter of fact, I was Reverend Kyle and I was an influencer and I was an evangelist and everybody listened to my podcast. Well, some of you listen to my podcast and uh, I was not in any way, shape, or form, a journalist. As a matter of fact, uh, the people who were journalists actually had a little bit of disdain for some of the things that I was doing because I didn't adhere to the same rules. And so, Bradley, I understand your motivation. I do. I get it. Uh, when I came on board with Upload, uh, it was difficult for me to learn how this works and how journalistic integrity drives the method with which we interact with our audience. And there have been many a times where Ian has had to snap slap my hand and say, no, we don't do that. And as a result, you know, I'm on the show and I'm doing commentary and and all that with Ian and that's all well and good. Uh but uh I, I do not dictate what the editorial team is doing. The editorial team, Ian, David, Harry, And Henry uh, and and other people in the past, they're the editorial team. They adhere to the editorial rules. I'm running the business side of things. They're running the editorial stuff. They dictate. I don't come to them and say, we have to run this article or we have to talk about this topic because that's not how things are run in a true journalistic uh, uh, environment. And so – when I come on here and I'm speaking my opinion, I'm expressing it as my opinion as part of the uh you know the the upload team uh, but I am not essentially a strong component of the editorial team and yeah, go ahead there's there's
1: commentators and then there's journalists and TV right. news has done a an excellent job of blurring those lines of of what is which and plenty of people watching all those shows don't understand the difference and they don't understand how these decisions get made or how this stuff gets out. Um, I I'm appreciating that we have one of our largest audiences on the show. So I appreciate everyone for, for tuning in, please do, um, comment and subscribe and, uh, like the video so we can get out to more people. Um, people are talking about the semantics of the word journalism and, and journalist. And I, it's, it's, it's well, tough to it, like stare at our comments, seeing that, <laughs> knowing it day well, in and day I'm, out, we've had this argument, this debate yeah, for years yeah. now, Kyle, over so, like what what is it that we do compared to what other people do?
0: Um, unfortunately, Ian, and I'm just going to take the mic back from you here. Uh, unfortunately, the concept of what <laughs> – we live in a fake news world, okay? I'm sorry. I'm just going to go ahead right, and use well, those words. We, we we live in a world where <sighs> fake, fake news, news can and, be real news. And I yeah, know you're I just, using
1: the, the terms of a very specific person there. Yeah, um I, and I'm gonna talk about catch and kill here for a minute, where um one of the things that a uh, a certain collection of of publications out there could do is they could uh, take someone's story, pay them for exclusive rights to it, and then bury it. Right? Okay. Just 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 keep it under lock and key. And if, if word ever gets out about that story another way, then you violated your claim and, and, and get uh you know, have to refund the money or, you know, get sued. Um it is one of the ugliest sides of journalism. It's something I've never even like I don't even know how it works, right? I've never never been in a newsroom, a scenario where where that would ever happen. Right, and it is not what has happened here. The opposite was was the case. But what I'm getting at, w- the reason I'm bringing that up is, there's a slope right there. There, there is a slippery slope. There is a path to going, you know, that getting worse. And in Brad's statement, he said he's not doing that anymore. He's he's under. He's learned where this line is uh, from this this process, and uh, I think that's uh very very interesting um to think about um yeah we as journalists don't exchange money for information i saw someone in our comments up higher talking about sponsored posts what makes it any different from sponsored posts well we've got a published uh ethics guide that explains how sponsored posts work and i have had back and forth with kyle uh to an extraordinary degree making sure that before you click on a sponsored post it says somewhere sponsored right you are to you know it is on you once you click on that to go in you should have been looking and seen uh, in a readable format right in a, in a in a readable way that it says sponsored right there on the thing right before you click it it's it's a tricky thing. I, you know,
0: well it's not people- it's it, it, it's not tricky, actually. Let, let me make this easy for everyone. There are laws. There are laws and then there are rules and then there are guidelines and then there's a sense of I don't know, something lesser than that. And and, and honestly, um we're doing nothing more than agreeing with Brad in his mea culpa from his uh Twitter post uh, or at least that's the, I, I see that Brad sees this level of controversy and this level of uh, of what could he have done differently and you know what I have a lot of respect for that uh, don't don't think that I personally want Brad to maintain his presence and to continue to do what he's doing and to continue to grow and learn how to do this in a way that that while, yes, he has his following and he's very popular and he is doing a service to everyone in the community with his content, I don't disagree with any of that. What I would like to do is see Brad grow and evolve and be able to get into something where he is considered a journalist in the traditional and Proper sense of the word where he can gain possibly respect. You know, Boz went after him hard. Boz went after him really hard. And because Boz is, oh, he's the big bad wolf, you know, I get that feeling. But in reality, he has a business to run. And when people are doing things that are naughty, <laughs> he has to do something about it. I mean, you can't just, Boz couldn't have gone, you know what? Everybody likes Brad let's just let the leaker do this. That's fine. There's well, no version of the, any universe anywhere where a business person isn't going to go after a leaker. I mean,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's, it's funny if you go back to the original, like Alex Heath report in the verge, right. He, there's no specific sourcing in his report either. Right. Like he's, you know, this information was handed to him. Who is it handed to him by? What was the motivation of that person? And, You know, there's every chance uh, when I was referring to like who was leaking info out of Vive, I have no idea who it is, uh. But like, it could have been Bosworth, right? It could have been Bosworth handing that note to Alex Heath at The Verge, because it serves that. Yeah,
0: because it serves
1: this larger thing of of shutting up the leakers, right? It it scares other leakers from doing information now and. I'm agreeing with a lot of what Kyle said here um of of what Brad responded to being you know owning uh exactly what happened and his his understanding of of how it's affected uh people and their responses um, it's uh, it's hard to influence <laughs> their there, Influencers and journalists—we've talked about that terminology a lot in the back, a lot over the years. Influencers influence journalists. Journalists report information, um, and ideally, good journalists uh, verify that and make sure it's correct before putting it out into the world. What we what we're seeing in in this market, and I've I've seen it happen again and again. Is YouTubers trying to find their identity, right? How many YouTubers out there started with like a different name for their channel and evolved what the content was over time and realized a year later they're they uh, need to be doing something right completely here. different? Right than, here,
0: yep, Reverend Kyle started off doing Android ROMs and hacking <laughs> Android jailbreaking, but yeah, so it's I'm called it's, rooting. Yeah. And we're
1: on yeah. a we're in a process ourselves of evolving what we do and zeroing right. in over time on what it is. But these core terms of thinking about what what am I as an influencer and what am I allowed to do within that realm or what am I as a journalist or as Bradley calls himself an analyst, um, an unethical analyst is what he changed his Twitter handle to because of yeah. uh, Boz Tanks, uh, Bosworth's, uh comment. Um, uh, NDAs, I see Guy Godin bringing up NDAs. Uh, we're we're this close. To 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 establishing a no NDA policy here at UploadVR, we've we've debated it internally multiple times. Uh, I didn't sign an NDA for big screen beyond Um, that. You know, I could have I could have been put in a position to go under NDA for that, and I pushed back on on the need there for it because uh, I didn't I don't want to go under an NDA. The, the NDA has put all of this, uh, power in the hands of your source giver that, you know, the, the giver of information to stop you from sharing that information. And that's the, the opposite of what journalists are, are supposed to be doing. Um, the, it's, it's, it's a tricky, yeah, it's a tricky thing. um. um,
0: I don't,
1: I don't, I want to, I want to not sign NDAs, Kyle. We have to get into that at some point. We've gone back and forth. There are certain stories we won't get and we'll be late to if we make that policy You know what?
0: Okay. So, all right. So artful and all of you. Yes. Hi. We're going to move on. But before we do, I just want to say one last thing, which I'm sure is eating away at Ian. Um, Bradley, don't give up. Don't let this bother you. You know, it's, it's, it's a small, it'll go away. Okay, um, you know, I have one piece of advice for you, and this is something that Ian has taught me uh, is you hear stuff. I hear things all the time. And we need to confirm it from at least one or two reputable sources before we can, we at upload, call it news. And you got something from an anonymous person with a lot of stuff that looks really legit and you posted it and it was true. And it caused this whole kerfuffle. What if it hadn't been true? What if somebody had made an elaborate, anonymous leak to you and your entire audience is all abuzz on how this is going to change everything and then we find out it's doggy poo poo? What then? And, and, and that's me trying to give you a piece of advice. Try to do some confirming like that's like journalistic, whatever. Well, one hundred and one, and confirm and find and, a way
1: to present yeah. the confirmed info differently than the rumor info. Right. Is, is that, right. that's, that's the theme of everything right. I was trying to say. If you confirm yeah. it with multiple people, you yeah. know that's an all caps headline. Uh, the, that's well, you in, know that's an all caps title.
0: Uh, Onakazi, uh, I'm I'm not ignoring the fact that money was exchanged. Um, I'm not a lawyer. And I don't have any skin in the game in terms of what meta lost or the leak or whatever. Okay, you take money. It used to be called payola here. Play my record on the radio and make my my band famous. It's always been a problem. This is not new. A lot of you out there who are saying it doesn't matter that he paid for it because he's not a real journalist. There's still (laughs) law and you can't ignore the law and the things that you're allowed to do. Uh, And and so we'll move on. But you know what? And you know what? Uh, Kevin Brooke, still a Brad fan. Uh, I feel like more than any other influencer, he is for the community. Uh, Others feel like he is. Okay, you know what? People used to say that about me. And then people hated me, too, when I was an influencer. Uh, I get it. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I like Brad, too. I will still watch Brad's stuff. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to uh, anonymously send him a comb in the mail. See? I'm trying to keep <laughs> it lighthearted. I'm trying to For keep real. it light- How about it? Oh I'm going to buy you a $25 gift card to Great Clips. How about that? Okay? Oh you my know gosh. Great Clips didn't pay me to say, see, I'm trying to have fun here, okay? Brad, it happened. Move on, Okay. And as we are, we're going to move on right now because I, Ian, want to hear everything that you can tell me about PSVR two. Let's do
1: it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not done. I'm ready to move. Uh, yeah, next week's show will be all about this. Uh, there was there was a lot of tangents I went off on there that I, I want to close off and get into across to our community because our. Our process here is really important and I want to just say email tips at upload if you have any information to share uh, we're going to handle it with care. Uh, there's you know things in Brad's thing about protecting sources uh, that we also do um, but uh, yeah that let's talk about PlayStation VR2. it is in our hands it is unboxed and we can't say too much more about the experience until the next uh, set of embargoes lifts. But what I want to point out as I was, uh, as we're assessing it and uh, editing what we're putting together for, for those embargoes. Um, do you remember the call of duty Jackal experience for PSVR Kyle?
0: Hmm. I, I seem to recall it being kind of short.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. What about Star Wars Battlefront <laughs> Rogue One VR mission?
0: Oh, that was fun for like five minutes, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> Beautiful. Exactly the responses I was looking for because I almost forgot about those experiences. Like they, they're they're quite literally forgettable. Um, they're because of how short they were. Right. These were launch era experiences for the PSVR system back in 2016. And they were cool, and they were from the biggest brands on the PlayStation platform. And they were over after five to ten minutes, right? They were they were super brief, super just, oh, that was cool. Now what I'm gonna I'm gonna let my headset collect dust for seven years. Right? That's that was the gist of it. And right now we are seeing over 30 titles prepped for launch on psvr2 and among those titles is horizon call of the mountain resident evil and gran turismo and if you're a gamer right those those aren't five minute experiences right those aren't the same caliber length and scope as what we had in psvr1's period and it's, it's coming as we're approaching the launch date for PSVR 2. It's becoming clearer and clearer just how much has changed in those seven years, right? If you, there's so many of our viewers never got into VR back then, right? Some of our viewers maybe were VR watchers in the 90s even. But lots of people came in 2018, 2019, 2020. Right. Even this year, last year, like there's there's always more people coming into it. They don't remember what it was like in that first few years of Sony's system. And, yeah, we did get a Resident Evil out of the PSVR one system, but that's still nothing like the scale that we have now being brought to bear on PSVR two.
0: Don't you remember back in my day? Back in my day, you got a three and a half minute trench run on a three DOF headset and you liked it and you were appreciative of it. You're right, Ian. I mean, people are slowly coming in that weren't there. You know, like everybody who was, uh, I don't know, 15 in 2013 when, when we were getting our, uh, you know, uh, dev kits, our, our, our DK1s, you know, they're 10 years older now. <laughs> and I mean, There's all sorts of fun stuff, but, you know, uh, just like every other previous iteration, you know, it's, and we said it earlier, it's a stopgap, you know, I mean, a five minute, uh, it could have been longer than that. That, that, but playing Star Wars in VR, just in general, like, I don't know how many of you remember, like, there used to be a game, it was called Trench Run, and it was made by a guy who, I believe, still works at Meta, I think. See now I'm confused. I don't remember who did it, but yes, uh, great little thing. uh, You know uh, the the roller coasters and all of that stuff back in the day. These things had to exist, and they were really amazing at the time because they were all that we had. But man, I'm watching that Gran Turismo, uh, the stuff, and I'm watching people buy. Oh, I'm so jealous. I am so jealous of the people buying those like racing rigs, you know, with the steering wheel and the pedals and the seat in the in the rig. And I'm like, oh man, that looks amazingly expensive to invest in.
1: <laughs> the, the expensive cost here that the cost of all this is very. It's a very tricky subject, and we're going to handle it as carefully as we can um, when when we talk about this kind of like different different markets for different folks type type situation. I'm still uh, a believer that like these games are system sellers for one person, right? Like the horror fan is never going to get a more horrifying experience than going into uh, what, what is it? Switchback or Resident evil um, in VR and experiencing that. Like that is the epitome of, of horror Gran Turismo had this single car, like, training mode that you could do in PSVR 1. Now the entire game is in VR. Um, these, these are more than minor additions to, like, the PSVR 2 library. Like, these are, are step change additions. These are, like, this is a bigger world than we had in the first generation of console VR. And it's it's extremely exciting, right? They have standardized on the controllers. Uh, now we're no longer using PS3 era move controllers uh, to interact with this stuff. It's it's becoming standardized across the board. So you've got uh, all these great deep games, but like system selling, Kyle. Like as as expensive as you talk about that being, there's a fair number of people that are going and doing. Uh I think it was something like 10% or something at least of the um flight simulator Microsoft flight simulator community is playing in VR and you know that's an experience where you will huh. go and and like that's like that's actually surprisingly hobby. low <laughs> well yeah huh. it's it's a yeah. hobby right it's a hobby right. for some oh, people sure. to go and do that and it's a very very satisfying hobby and you're not going to go and pay money for that hobby when it's not the full game, it's not the full experience. It's just a 10, 15 minute demo. Um, this is it's a it's a, just a different era for for VR and for PlayStation. And uh, it it aligns, I think, Sony with the future. Um, so uh, I don't know that they'll ever be able to get a PS5 into you know a backpack or have a go wireless from the p s five to the p s v r two. makes a lot more sense. But that brings us back to cost, right? Kyle, like if yeah. anyone i the cost well, situation here is really yeah. tough for me because meta their their strategy of subsidizing hardware to such an extraordinary degree, to a degree that nobody else can match is warping people's thoughts of how much it costs for a high-quality VR system a little bit, right? And I don't know, PSVR, everything that's coming together here is saying that they've made some some smart choices about yeah. how to collect everything together into a wonderful overall package. But so we I will feel, have to
0: see. Yeah, I, I feel like I owe the PSVR 2 enthusiast community an apology now i've gone back and i've read some comments of previous uh, episodes and at one point i mentioned that i'm not a console gamer because uh, I'm, i'm you know i'm a pc gamer i have a pc and i can you know i can do everything on my pc that i can do on the console minus a few whatever exclusive titles or whatever i'm sure there's a lot of that but uh I made the comment that why would I want to buy a console when I can get a PC for roughly the same price. I'm very wrong. I was very, very wrong on saying that. And so I apologize. You know, I I went and looked it up. And, I mean, you got to spend well over a grand to get something that the PS5 can offer you. And, you know, you add the PSVR 2. It's a tethered experience, but it does have inside-out tracking. And it's got all these great uh, high-detail games that, hopefully run really well on it. I mean, we'll have to see. We haven't actually done any reviewing yet uh, publicly. And we, we just want to make sure that it is giving, because I mean, if it's choppy as heck, then we're going to report on that. If it's not, you know, if you to turn it down or it, it melts your head, I'm not saying it's going to do that, but we have to see if those things are going to occur. Um, so, I'm, I apologize. I, I made a comment that I thought that it wasn't worth it to do that. But now I'm starting to think maybe I do want to get a PS5. And, and I mean, just for Gran Turismo alone, actually, what I really want to see is a redux of Destruction Derby, which I used to play all the time. Destruction uh, Derby think,
1: with those head haptics, man! Oh my gosh. Why, why hasn't there been a good right? twisted yes. metal? I love twisted metal, like oh, d- uh, Vigilante Eight. Yes, but Destruction right? Derby, yeah, watching those cars yes. smash up as you as yes. you get them, yeah, that,
0: yeah, I do like me a good driving simulator. So I think, it, I mean, it, killer app. Am I am I willing to say that Gran Turismo is a PSVR2 killer app? Hmm, I might be willing to say that. I have to try it first. Well, I yeah, think so I might be willing to say that. <laughs> so that's where I'm. Uh, where it comes back to
1: Quest three and where Meta is going. What games are they prepping for that headsets launch, and how comparable are they to what we're seeing out of Sony? Um, you know, Sony got a lot of big titles into its platform over over the subsequent years after launch. So there's a lot of room for Sony to grow with PSVR 2 as well, right? We can get a lot of surprising things into VR over the next three or so years, especially if they're, you know, if they're really aggressive about it. Um, <laughs>
0: Hold it, on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Commenters. Um, I'm Sorry. This is an official apology for making a wrong statement. I just want to make sure that I'm clear here. I'm sorry. I don't know if you saw the comments or not. I
1: did. I did. And it still didn't feel like an apology. Kyle tries to apologize. It just, uh, I don't know. You have to deal with it.
0: Well, I'm not used to it. It's it's a new thing for me. (laughs) You know, I'm not used to having to, I'm still learning how to do it. Um, you're learning how to apologize, yeah, I'll um, make a, will make a I'll make a a, a four hundred word tweet later, maybe I' don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah, was too uh, soon, too soon. I'm sorry,
1: okay. yeah, no, I, I, so p s v r two is you know we will have uh, Henry in the studio next week at our normal broadcast time. Henry is doing the initial assessment for p s v r two. and then we will know, like we've said in the past, Heney is off on a secret project. Uh, We, you know, we can, I guess it's clear now that Secret Project is not reviewing PSVR 2. So we will get that analysis out of David Heaney uh, as soon as we can. Um, But we've got just a list of priorities. Uh, We will have that review. uh, And we will have all of our rundown of uh, games and content uh, that you can experience on the headset uh we'll get into that next week normal time love we'll, we'll introduce henry to our audience our newest member of our team and yeah. um then we'll get uh david heaney's technical analysis of the hardware uh sometime down the line but i just i wanted to sort of begin this this journey of talking about this headset by by talking about the games and how you know a lot of people are looking at all those ports going yeah this is already on quest 2 and going eh you know, like that's – I've already seen that, and I get it. If you're a Quest 2 buyer, it, the, the, the PS5 VR combo is not going to hold a lot of uh, draw to you. But there is an audience of people who want those exclusive experiences and want those brands that they've come to know and love in flat, uh, and they, they want to go experience the full, full thing in VR. Um, so next
0: week then, uh, it's going to be uh, Ian – Sitting in for me, who's sitting in for himself? Wait, no, how's that? anyway, and then Henry. Uh, Henry is our latest addition to the Upload VR team, and uh, I'm excited to have this audience, this wonderful audience, uh, you know, be introduced to Henry because I have a feeling. Some somebody asked about the games cast. I have a feeling that a games cast revival might be coming down the road
1: but but james J- james has put a, a really tough question to you Kyle right come on oh yeah, yeah. so put him on the uh, spot
0: hey no 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 that's good yeah put me on the spot so uh Kyle untethered is uh is going to be uh me and the between reality guys uh, alex and Skiva, and uh we're we're meeting on it this week uh, to try to fine tune some components to it and uh the lovely thing about it is it's going to be so rough and ugly uh that y'all are going to love it y'all y'all hey oh. i'm back in ohio everyone y'all um yeah so it, it's on its way i mean i think what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, tuesday is download wednesday is uh untethered and then thursday is games cast
1: maybe that, let's let's we got it we got a lot yeah, of debate we'll have to we wait and talk see about our but schedule, yeah so. no
0: it's definitely a conversation we're having yeah
1: but so so 3 or 4 years from now that's when you'll launch
0: this. Uh well, hey, you know what? I mean, March is a good month to launch things, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah? Yeah, March March is a, is a good month to launch things. Yeah. On that note,
1: I do want to say thank you to everyone in our comments. Uh it got a little heated there. We meandered a bit on the Bradley discussion. I don't know if Bradley was in our comments, but do let us know if we uh you know, if we misrepresented anything here um we'll we'll come back at it next time um you know the ins and outs of journalism is boring to a lot of people. It is not entertaining, it's the opposite of entertaining, so that's why we don't Stress. talk about it very much and it gets hit you know, but it's we're working in a new area in a new field. we're literally meeting in v r Kyle's in a different state this is this is new territory for how we do this work right um, and everyone is learning along the way. Um, I, we've had a fantastic audience for this entire show though. And, uh, we do ask everyone be civil as often as possible. This gets people pretty, uh, this discussion got people pretty heated. Um, Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm, uh, I mm -hmm. want to say thank you to the, to to the commenters who have been there with us for so long. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for me. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the future.
0: Yeah. C- c- civil discourse. We, we do enjoy it. And so thanks to all of you regulars and artful. I hope you didn't hit unsubscribe. I really would miss you in the comments and, uh, and to all of the rest of you out there, you know, uh, uh support your local influencers, I guess. And, uh, Bradley, um, you know, I, I, I owe you a drink buddy. So, uh, one of these days we'll have a chance to connect maybe at GDC, who knows? So yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for watching. See you in the future. Farewell.